Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. So here's my deal. It's our new series today, and it's, it's called A Heart for Home. And uh, I'll give you a little imagery, kind of kind of lock your, your mind around that. And, and um, you know, there's so much about life that gives us uh, reasons to fear. I could att- address these issues, and we're going to for several weeks. Like, we're going to start today, and we're not going to finish up probably until the end of September. Because the most important thing we get to be a part of is a family. Both in this context and in the one at home. And here's the thing. So you're going to start checking out right now because you think, oh, I'm not a parent. I'm not a spouse. But you all live in a home somewhere. We're going to talk about things that will solidify the home that you live in, whatever that is. Whatever that looks like, right? And so over the next few weeks, it's going to be specific to certain things. And I'm going to tell you, if I get more, I get more phone calls about home life than I do anything else. I mean, about what's going on inside the four walls of the family. That, the, I, I get more calls about that than I do anything. And so I got a couple text messages on vacation about families who are struggling. And so uh, it just never ends. And so we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to, and even the thought, some of you are like, oh, I don't even want to deal with that. I don't even want to. And here's the thing. I know it erupts into like fear and worry and concern. And here's what I got to, here's what I got to say, man. I'm not, I'm a naturally fearful person. At the same time, I don't want to cave into it. And I, I like a challenge. I heard, Ray, I, hear, I, heard, I heard a little bit of, uh, of Ray Lewis's speech. I'll call, he more preached than he spoke at the Hall of Fame last night. I, didn't, I, only, I only saw a piece of his. I didn't hear the rest of them, but I, and he said something about saying, you, saying something's impossible is like throwing a gallon of lighter fluid on open flame for him. There's something about when I know I'm fearful of something, I got to tackle it. I got I to tick on the challenge. I can't let it, and, and, and right now we've been going through something at our own house. On, Jan- on June 29th, we ripped every piece of siding off of my house. I and some other people help rip siding off of my house. I'm not one who's good with hammers. I don't like saws. I don't like ladders. I don't like scaffolding. I got scrapes and cuts and scratches. Every time I turn around, Julio's been helping me with it. He turned out, what? Somebody's bleeding again. And it's this guy right here. I'm just a mess, and I, oh, it's just awful. And here's one thing. I, we had to go through this process of ripping the, the old stuff off of our house. And when we ripped this, and it was brittle, and it was nasty, and you could bump into it, and the, 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 the siding would crack, and some of it would fall off. It was awful. And we, but when we, got into, when we ripped it off, we found some things hiding there. And that was kind of scary. My kids said, Dad, our house looks like a haunted house. And we're, we're driving, people, our neighbors, this is the honest truth, driving down the road, all of a sudden our neighbors said, slow, stop. And 
Neither of them look at each other. They look back up at the house. I know they're thinking, like, I hope this is going to be a long process. Aaron's up on a ladder. It might take months. And, but I had to overcome some things. Now, Patrick came and helped me yesterday at the house. Several years ago, he helped me put a roof on my, house, my old house. And I get up on the ladder, and I was just like, you know, one day I was, I was working with Julio, and I got on the ladder, and I went to climb the ladder, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I walk back down. And Julio's like, are you okay, bro? And I'm like, ah, no, I'm not okay. Uh-uh, not good. No, no. And he went about doing what he was doing. Next thing, he goes, he comes walking around the corner. I'm up on the roof. It's like, dude, what are you doing up there? I said, dude, I had to tackle it, man. I wasn't going to walk away from here today. Not, and you know what? You have to tie your house like before you put the siding on it. With the exception of a little bit of help the first day, I Tyvek the whole thing myself. Two stories. On a ladder. An extension ladder that's way longer than anything I want to be on top of. And I, I don't say that to say, like, you know, Aaron, you're, you're No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this. I'm saying, dude, you've got to face it. Some of you are drastically scared right now that Aaron's going to start a message series about home. And you're worried that something's going to pop that you've, you've needed to talk about for a long time, and you don't want to think about it, and you don't want to talk about it, and you just want to keep living like it's living, and you know it's not working. And can I encourage you right now, climb the ladder. Don't walk away going, oh, I wish I'd have done something. Listen, here's what I'm worried about. I think we all worry about our physical homes more than we worry about the relate. We worry about our physical houses more than we worry about the homes that make the, the, the relationships that make it a home. We'll, we'll face crazy things. We'll climb the ladder. We'll take the scars on the thumbs with the hammers. We'll do all that and make it look just pretty. Everybody thinks we're good. And on the inside, it is death and it's decaying and it's horrible. And we won't do the hard work. We won't face the fear. And we won't, we won't climb the ladder. But you got to climb the ladder. As a follower of Christ, you got to climb the ladder. You, 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 you have to do the hard work in relationships. And it'll be kind of specific over the next few weeks about, about home life, but it's not just about home life. It's about being a follower of Jesus because relationships are the thing of the kingdom. God's way more concerned about relationship than he is about religion. The whole purpose of this thing we call Christianity is because he wanted to connect with his creation. He didn't want to have a ceremony. He didn't do this just for us to ceremonially get something done. He did this to connect with us. He created a space. And so everything about everything in the kingdom of God is relationally oriented, everything. And so we've got to get relationships right or we're not getting it right. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to walk it out. We, we have to keep going. And so I'm going to say this several times this morning, and I want you to roll with me. Building wisely means living submissively, lovingly, and honorably. I'm going to say that one more time. Building wisely means living submissively, lovingly, and honorably. And kind of jump to jump off of that, that diving board there, we're going to look at Matthew 7, 24 and 25. If you've got a new version, you can pop that thing open. It'll be there. If you need a regular Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. There's a Bible there in the pew if you need one. 
Jesus is speaking here, and he's speaking in red. That means it's a quote directly from him. This is not somebody else with some philosophy to give us. This is Jesus himself speaking. And he says these words. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Those are these next words. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and floodwaters rise and winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Some translations say solid rock. Here's the thing. Jesus is saying, listen, it's not good enough just to listen because I know what's going to happen. Some of you are going to walk up to me at the end of service. You're going to say, dude, that was a good message. But it's not going to be a good message. You know why it's not going to be a good message? Because you won't do anything differently. You'll slap me to high five. You'll say, hey, that was cool. Glad you're back. Love hearing you preach. And then you're going to walk out the door and you have no intention of actually applying anything. But a wise person takes in what they hear. They look for what God might be saying to them, not what God's saying to the person across the room or person down the pew. They're saying, well, what do I do now? You build wisely when you listen to the voice of God and you respond to it. So we want to be wise builders this morning, don't we? We want to build the thing the way God wants it built. We want to build our relationships around the things God says is important. And so we've got to be the kind of people who, who, who are listening, but we're listening, listening actively. We're like, okay, Jesus, open up my heart, open up my mind, open up my life. Let me see what I need to see. Let me know what I need to know so I can make it different by the power of your spirit. Now, here's the thing I want to say to you. You do well if you are wisely intentional in building the place where you dwell. You, are wise, you, 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 are, you do well if you are wisely intentional. See, some of us just let things happen. But you've got to be intentional. And if you, the, the place where you dwell it can be a house, but it may, be not, may not be a home. The place where you dwell might be a workplace. It may not be a home at all. And so we're talking about the relationships in and around life. And so we're going to jump into Ephesians for about 12 verses. Okay, so you're going to click over to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to give you a brief overview. Because this is, this is not just for a husband, wife, a parent, whatever. This is for followers of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, God, through the Apostle Paul, jumps off in this thing, letting us know in verse 5 that he intended to bring us into his family. And then Paul prays for us that we understand what that means. That's Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2, God, God through Paul says this. Listen, you're in this family not because of who you are, but because, I am, because of who I am. It is, you, you are in this because of grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 3, God describes this idea of his church being the family of God, that it is the weapon, the tool he will use in this present age to unveil to spiritual, the spiritual hierarchy what his manifold wisdom looks like. Is that crazy? It's in here, like, like Ephesians 3.10, somewhere like that. He says that. In Ephesians 4, he says this, this family is given certain equipment. They're called gifts. They're people. And he's going to use this group of people to build his church and bring his church from a place of maturity. That's Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. At verse 17 through, verse, through chapter 6, verse 9, he, he begins to tell us what this maturity looks like. 
as the people of God grow up into it, and it has everything to do with, one, with a couple of things, how we live and how we communicate. We build wisely when we live and communicate certain things. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna, it's going to be like turn on a fire hose, so be ready. In, in chapter 4, verse 25, he says we build wisely when we live and communicate honestly. Verse 26, he says we build wisely by living or communicating not angrily. In verse 28, he says, you build and live wisely by, uh, by living and communicating generously. He says, you build lives wisely by living and communicating encouragingly. Verse 29, he says, you build lives wisely by living and communicating forgivingly, not bitterly. Verses 31 and 32. In chapter 5, he says these, you live, you live wisely by... You build lives wisely by living and communicating lovingly. Verse 2, he says you build lives wisely living, by living or communicating faithfully. Verse 3, he says you build lives wisely by living or communicating not foolishly. In verse 4, then he says you build lives wisely by living or communicating graciously, gratefully, and wisely. Verses 15 through 20. How's that for an overview? In Bible college, they call that New Testament survey. Just surveyed the book of Ephesians. And then at verse 21, he gets it really down to nuts and bolts. Now here's the point. All of this I've just read to you, overviewed with you, is about every member of the body of Christ. Every person is encouraged to live on, live and communicate honestly, not angrily, not generously, encouragingly, forgivingly, not bitterly, lovingly, faithfully, not foolishly, graciously, gratefully, and wisely. And I would say this to you. If that's true of every person on the planet, how much more is that true in a place where we live? If God wants that, how much more does he want that for the people who call themselves a family? You get what I'm saying? Because he, gets, he goes in real general terms, and then he brings it right down to where the rubber meets the road. Because now he talks about these kinds of relationships. Spouses, parents and children, bosses and employees. Just, he just turns the corner like, he, it's like you think I'm speaking generally, but let me, let me tell you how it really looks. And so in verse 21, you'll find these words. You've got to build life. We're building wisely, which means living submissively, lovingly, and honorably. Verse 21 will tell us these words. We build homes wisely with godly submission. We build lives wisely with godly submission. Listen to verse 21. And further, after he's done all this stuff about how we live and communicate, and further, submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. See, it's not just about husbands and wives. Now he gets clear. Let me give you an example, basically what he's saying. Let me explain to you how this looks. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. And the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now that I've made really lots of friends with the feminine gender. Because I, I know how this goes. See, I've done more weddings than I care to talk about. And when I mention this in the wedding ceremony, all the females go. Well, you, what are you saying? I've got to obey. 
I got to do, you know, in this heightened state of, you know, me too and all that. What are you saying, man? And what do you, and so, and everybody gets kind of intense. And you don't have to live with my husband and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And here, I'm going to say something to you. Just but your circumstance doesn't change God's heart or God's word. But I will say this we got some really confused ideas about what submission is and what it isn't. So let, me, let, me, let, me, let me help you understand what submission is not first. Can we, can, we, can we clarify that? Submission is not living under the thumb of an authoritarian. That's not submission. Submission is not being a doormat. Submission is not ever speaking up. Submission is not being weak. Is that cool? But submission is this. Submission is placing God his will, and his word first. Submission is meekness on display. Let me give you a couple examples. This guy called Moses, this guy called Jesus. This lady called Ruth. This lady called Mary. They were meek, but boy, their lives were awesome. They were, they were under Submission to a particular heart, a particular idea, a particular thought, a particular mission from God, and they carried it out. Submission is placing others' needs above your own. Submission is really this, living with a servant's heart. That's what submission is. So when I talk about that, understand what I'm saying. Because I found one thing, one, one thing that disrupts families is this. Everybody's fighting for their own wants and needs. Everybody wants what they want, and that person's not giving it to me, and so I'm just done. I deserve better than that. Well, you, you might be getting treated in a difficult way, and I don't want to besmudge that in any way, shape, or form. This is tough stuff, man. Things we've heard in the news this last week, this is not easy stuff, man. Not fun. But if we don't understand God's heart in something, and see, this is for everybody. Paul right here has just given us an example of what it looks like because his first words are, out of reverence for Christ, we should submit to one another. You hear that? So he goes, basically goes, let me paint you a picture of what that might look like. For wives, it looks like this. And it's about putting somebody else's needs in front of yours. That's what he's saying. It's about putting your children's needs in front of yours. It's about putting your husband's needs in front of yours. And, and it's not like he's, he's, not like, he's not giving the guy a pass, because we'll get back to the guy here in just a minute. Coming to a, a body of faith like this, the way this works the best is when you put somebody else's needs in front of your own. That you willingly say, I'd prefer a different kind of music, but if that's what's working, I like it. I'd prefer the preacher actually wear a suit and tie. I got my Air Jesus on today, man. You know why I believe that? Because Jesus, you never read of Jesus getting dressed up to go do ministry. What the Bible says about him, there was nothing to draw us to himself. You know what that means? He looked like every other Jew walking around Judea. But what he did, how he lived, changed everything. You never hear of Jesus going in and putting on a three-piece suit and then going out and being the star evangelist. You know what I mean? He just showed up and did what he did. 
just as, just as common as it. So if you have a problem with the preacher wearing shorts, just know I'm just being, this is, you guys have no problem wearing this someplace else. If you saw me at Walmart, you'd think nothing about me wearing this. All right? If you saw me at the fair, you wouldn't think nothing about it. And so here's the deal. Let's just be who we are. See, what I, what I dislike about church is it makes us at times dress up and look a certain way, and it's not legitimate. You get what I'm saying? It's not real. I can put the suit and the tie on. I can wear the clothes. Everybody looks fine. I can smile. I'm just so blessed. I'm just so blessed. Then I get home, and me and my wife are arguing with each other around the table. Me and my kids don't get along, but you think I'm good. I'm a scoundrel at work. Nobody likes me, but boy, I put the suit and tie on. Y'all think Aaron just got it all going on, right? Here, let's just be who we are, right? So nowhere in the New Testament. Anyway, I'm going to tangent. Get off of that. Listen, so we got to be submissive to one another. For wives, it looks like submitting like the church does to Christ. That's the whole point. What you can see Jesus doing in regards uh, with the church doing for Jesus, you should be able to see yourself doing in regard to your husband. For members of the body of Christ, we are his body, it says here, that we should submit to one another. In other words, it's, it's, this, it's this whole idea of love God and love others like you love yourself. We'll get to Building wisely means living submissively, lovingly, and honorably. But it also means, building homes wisely means building wisely with loving sacrifice. So he paints this picture of what submission looks like. Submit to one another out of reverent fear. For wives, this looks like, and he goes with this idea of submission. Now he turns the corner. Let me paint a new picture of what this, what this submission thing looks like. For husbands, he says these words, for husbands, this means love your wives. Just like Christ loved the church. And the next line is where it's all at. He gave up his life for her. Do I have to say it? Sorry, sound guy. Do I have to say anything else? Because some of you have some screwed up ideas of what love looks like. Because you love pizza, and you love your car, and you love certain kinds of music, and you love ice cream, and you love that one shirt, and you love your team, and you, but it's all about what you get out of those things. Am I right? Huh? He says, he gave up his life for her. See, that changes the whole deal. See, a wife has no, no problem submitting with, to a dude who loves like that, man. Submission becomes a non-issue. When the woman knows that dude is going to the line for me, he ain't just coming to get what he wants. He's coming to get what I need. He's coming to take care of business. He will die for me. And the decisions he makes are not selfishly oriented. They are generous because he wants what's best. He's not trying to prove a point. He's not trying to get his own way. He's not trying to do anything. He is trying to, he's, he, he is, whoo. And it's not about stuff, because the, the guy's natural result is, I work all day. Oh. And you're probably escaping. That's probably what you're doing. Be honest with your wife. Be honest with your kids. Be honest with your people. The reason I work all the time, because I don't like being here. 
You might be paying the bills, but dude, you're not being a loving husband. You're not being a loving father. Because you give up what you want, like the boat, the fishing pool, the nice car, whatever it is, so that these people can be nurtured and grown and all that. I'm on a tangent. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by cleansing God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. In other words, his whole thing is that she would not be tarnished in any way, shape, or form. You get that? That's the deal. There would be nothing that would degrade her beauty. Not an attitude, not a conversation, not a, not, a, not a thing. Nothing would pull away from her ability to experience joy and hope and strength and life. And he would do nothing. Everything he does is to ensure that her life is what it's supposed to be. Do you get that? Not what his life is supposed to be, what her life is supposed to be. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, which sounds weird. Until you think about this, and you're like me, and you haven't been to the gym in three years, and y'all know you still do it. And you know you've walked in, you, you told your wife you were going to shave, and when she pops in to get some makeup out, thing, you're like, and she's like, "What are you doing? Nothing, but nothing. I just, I'm just, just making sure everything's straight. It's good." I bet y'all don't miss a meal. Talk about loving your own body, but you don't miss a meal. I bet you don't miss six meals any given day. Some of you are really anxious about how you smell, but you don't miss a shower. It's real, isn't it, right? So don't think he's being selfish right now. What he's saying is this, how you care for that crazy body of yours, what you think about that crazy body of yours, you ought at least be giving that much attention to your wife. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Now listen to this next line. This is where it comes around. No one hates his own body, even those of us who are built. Never mind. You'll get it later. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it. Now listen, that sounds really selfish and self-centered, right? He goes, just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. You get the connection? You understand what I'm saying? As Jesus cares for the body of Christ, we as husbands he cares for us as his own body. We husbands should give at least as much thought to the relationships that we have as we do about our next meal. As we do about the next time we're going to do our workout regiment. As the next time we're going to take a shower. As the next time we're going to brush our teeth and smell good. We got to give at least that amount of thought. At least. You understand that? But we don't. Because if the meal's not on the table at the right time, we get uptight. Never give a thought about what her day might have been like. Never give a thought. Just mad because I thought we was going to have dinner ready by now. You know how kind of day I've had? Apparently not a good one. You haven't bothered to ask me about my day. What kind of day I've had? We get frustrated. We get angry. 
So what, what, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is willingly laying down your certain things. Laying down your comfort for the comfort of another. Sacrifice is willingly laying down your interest for an interest of another. Sacrifice is willingly laying down your rights to fortify the rights of another. Sacrifice is willingly laying down your convenience to the convenience of another. Sacrifice is willingly laying down your dreams. Listen to this one, guys. They're laying down your dreams so the dreams of another can come to life. Sacrifice is willingly lay down your life to preserve the life of another. Boy, that's tough stuff, isn't it? Boy, Aaron got back from vacation, and he's just popping us in the chops. Huh? You want me to go back on vacation? Huh? You wish I'd be going another, another six weeks or something? Huh? I mean, this is the Bible, man. I would apologize, but I can't. It's not my words. These are Christ's words. These are his words to his church. This is how life flourishes and functions. God gave us his word. You know why? Not to take joy and peace from us, but to give us the tools to enjoy a fortifying, flourishing, thriving life. A flourishing and thriving relationship. A flourishing and thriving home. A flourishing and thriving family. A flourishing and flourishing and thriving workplace. He gave this to us so our lives would be different. So joy would be full and overflowing so love would run amok so that life would really happen not just existence that's why he gave us these things if we look at them as anything else he wants you to thrive he wants you to grow he wants your cup full and overflowing and today all I'm doing is giving you a piece of the equipment to make that happen that's all Building wisely means living submissively, lovingly, and honorably. So, what else does that mean? That means building homes wisely means honoring Christ above everything else. Listen to verse 31 through 33 of Ephesians 5. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and he's joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Now listen to this word. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Boy, is that? Here, here's what really meets the robe. You know what he's really saying here? How you conduct your relationships actually reflects the depth of your love for Jesus. Just take a big, deep breath and just suck that in for a minute. How you conduct your relationships reflects the depth of your love for Jesus. He keeps coming back to that. Well, we sit with some premarital training with, with some couples, and I've told them, here's one of the scariest things about, 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 a, about a wedding. It's a big deal if you're full of Christ. This is the one thing he says looks like him and how he treats his church. The one thing in all of Scripture, of everything else, the way a husband, wife, the way a home functions is the way that's supposed to be the most closely related reflection of how he and his church operate. So I ask you a question. If people would look at your home, would they see Jesus at work? If they see your interactions with your kids, do they see Jesus at work? 
If, if, if they see your interactions with your siblings, do they see Jesus at work? Some of you, your dwelling place, navigate, and a dwelling place is not just a physical location, it's the, the concourse of life. Okay, it's where life leads. When they see your connections with your relationships at work, do they see Jesus at work? You know what I mean? See, the, 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 the reflection of these relationships is what shows people how much we really believe in this person called Jesus. How we believe in this idea of Christianity. How we believe in this all-knowing, all-loving, wonderful God who created everything. They can see him or they can't see him out of how we conduct our closest of affairs. That's what he's saying in there in verses 3, 1 through 3, 3. This is a mystery, but I'm talking about how Christ and his church are one. So we believe in something. We believe in loving God, right? We believe in loving other people. And we believe that that love should convey an idea that we honor God above everything else. And we create circles on purpose of relationship. Why? So that people can come to grow deeply in their connection to Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, that's good for you. If you're not yet, that's good for you. Because you need a place where you can fit. Jesus died that he might have connection to you, that he might pull you into his family. And our hope and our desire is that what you see in this family would be the kind of love that draws you even closer to Christ, draws you even closer to him, that you would see husbands and wives interact, and your immediate thought is, oh, they're so in love, would be like, look, Jesus is at work. You'd see a, a father walking around in congregation with his kids, and all of a sudden you'd be like, that's a reason to praise Jesus. Oh, my God, did you see that? Did you see how those two fellow Christians, those brothers and sisters, interacted? Oh, my God, it's great. Do you see how he conducts his work? He means business. That's a cause to praise Christ. Oh, my. See, that's, that's really where the rubber meets the road. It is about the home. But it's more about the dwelling place of our lives. Do you get that? See, I want you to know something here. There's, this home here, got the structure, got the piece here. And there's this heart right in the middle of it. But I don't know if you can tell. The heart's broken. I'd like to say that was intentional, but this was a prop from another message series. And I, read, I, I retrofitted it. And then I saw the break. And I thought, I don't know if I want. And I thought, yeah, because we're all broken. See, what keeps us from really engaging is that we're broken from the inside out, Right? Our hearts hurt, our hearts are broken, and we don't want to walk that path one more time. I don't want to be forgiving. I'd rather be mad right now. I don't want to sacrifice myself. They're not sacrificing themselves. I don't want to submit. Well, I want to submit for. They don't submit to anything I need. And then we go through this, and our heart, we're broken from the inside out. And here's the thing. We just sing words up on this screen, right? We just don't sing songs to sing songs. Turn to hymn number 78. We sing songs because they're biblical in nature and because they give us insight to the heart and the word of God. Your scars will heal. Your wounds will mend, right? You will dance again. 
if you're in a broken kind of a situation in your marriage, in your home, you and your kids aren't getting along, you've got a close friend that you're just on the outs with, can I say something to you? Your heart may hurt right now, but God intends to mend that thing and make the relationship that you're in right now better than it was before. And the worst thing you can do right now is give up and give in. There are reasons you can give up and give in. The Bible's kind of full of them. If there's indiscretion, infidelity, there's all. But I would say this, even this. If this is supposed to reflect Christ and his mercies new every morning, you and him got to sort that out together. When, how far is too far? Because if you're supposed to represent Christ, let me ask you all a question this week. How many of y'all have done something this week that would maybe put you and Jesus on the outs if he were a human being? How many of you are prone to lying? Because you should be raising your hand right now. Because you just lied. There's been some thought or something that's happened this week that if Jesus and you were really like, if he was standing face to face and you uttered the thought that you had, you and him, he'd be like, what? Right? Huh? But his mercy's new every morning. Do you get what I'm saying? His mercy, like everyone we wake up, there's a new dose of mercy for us. And that's not, a, that's not a license to keep getting it wrong. That should be a thing that draws us closer to him and goes, you know what? I love him. How you conduct your relationships actually reflects the depth of your love for Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Is your life, is your home, not your house, your home, solid or is it crumbling? Let's go back to Matthew 7, 24. Jesus says these words, these are his words. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. We've been talking about building wisely, building our homes wisely this morning. Like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Then Jesus puts a big three-letter word in there. But... So a football coach would say, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains come and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. See, it's not a matter if a problem's going to affect your house. It's a matter of when. We pulled the siding off of my house on June 29th. Anybody, is anybody in the area on Tuesday? There's a risk involved in doing this hard work. You expose yourself to some things, and suddenly something happens you're not ready for. This is hard work. We got that torrential downpour. And I'm at a meeting on Tuesday morning, and I get looked at my phone, and there's this text, call me as soon as you can, from my wife. And I get on the other end of the phone, hey, babe, what's up? And she's in tears. Water's coming in everywhere. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, See, it wasn't a matter of if the storm was going to come. We knew when we started a project, there was going to be a a, a time of exposure that was going to invoke a certain kind of a risk, a certain kind of vulnerability, a certain kind of of, of, of potential detriment that was going to be hard to work through. 
See, some of you right now aren't, are, are right now don't want to go through that. Right now, the fear and the worry about what might happen in the process is, 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 is eating at you like, ah, and you're going to expose yourself, and you wonder what's going to happen. Can I tell you something? Whether you expose yourself now or not is not going to stop the storm from coming. It's going to come. The problem's going to erupt. The thing is going to pop, and the, the, you leaving yourself out of vulnerability is not going to stop that. It's going to happen. So the question is, right now, are you going to do the things that you've heard the voice of God speak and apply it to your life so when this storm does come, you're ready for it? Are you hearing me? And then, so, so right now, what are you doing? Is your life crumbling or is it, is, is it solid? If it's crumbling, it's not because God's word is false. It's because your, his word had been applied appropriate, appropriately. Because some of you want to blame God for where you are. It's not his fault. Not his so what does it take? First of all, you got to fortify your life and your home, and that requires this. First, you got to have an understanding of God's heart. You have to understand. You submit to God, His Word, and His will. Here's the thing. You read the Scripture purposely to see what God is saying, not just to support your argument. Some of you read the Bible in hopes you find ammunition. For that person at work, for your spouse, for your kids, you're trying to find that one thing you can nail them on. Because you know you're right. And you read God, don't read God's word to make sure your argument's right. Read God's word to make sure you're right. That you're hearing his voice appropriately. God's word was never meant to be a, be a rapid fire ammunition. It was never meant to be an AR-15. I'm just going to shoot him down. Mow him down. Some of you use the word of God in your home like it's a machine gun. And your intention is just for you to be right and everybody else to bow and submit. That is not the heart of God. You read the Scriptures so the Scriptures can read you. Put you in the right spot. Secondly, offer honesty and confession. Here's what we do. We've got to submit to the needs of others. That's all of us. Husband, wife, father, sister, mom, dad, kids, just fellow, fellow followers of Christ. We... And here's what we do. Once you discover what God has said, you just willingly comply. You're honest about you. You're honest about where you are. You offer like, hey, dude, I screwed that up. That was bad. You offer honesty and confession. Thirdly, you give and receive grace, forgiveness, and mercy. See, sacrificial love, you sacrificially love those God has called you to do life with. Because here's the thing, just like the storm's coming, it's not a matter if your other person you're in relationship with goofs up. It's a matter of when. My guess is in the next two hours. Something's going to happen. They're going to look at you sideways. They're going to say some snarky remark. You're going to find they had an expenditure you weren't banking on. Something's going to happen, right? Go on. Am I right? Y'all look at me like you're sanctified and sanctimonious. That ain't happened to my house, Aaron. Oh, please. And so in that moment, when that happens, you got to be ready to offer the things Jesus has offered you. Grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Maybe in the next couple minutes. Right? you got to offer them because this is it. This is where... 
you figure out what others need and you offer it to them extravagantly. Not a little babble, do you? Overboard. Why would I do that? They don't worth all that. No, you're right. Neither are you. The Bible says in 1 John 3, see what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Once we were said, he lavished on us his love that we get a chance. Nothing we deserve. And so here's the deal. If you're going to be like Jesus in your home, then you give that lavishly, not a little bit. And I kind of, you know, it's like, you ever make your kids forgive one another? As if you can do that anyway, right? They're just uttering words. Everybody knows that, right? Forgive your brother. I said forgive your brother. I'm sorry. Okay. It's okay. We always tell our kids, you never say it's okay because it's not or we wouldn't have a problem. It's not okay. It's never been okay. It's not okay. I forgive you. That's what we say. It's not okay. There's pain here. There's a problem here. It's not okay. Ain't nothing about this okay. But I forgive you. That's what we taught our, taught our kids. And they roll their eyes at you. Some of you get up in the morning and you know you have to deal with that person again today. You're like, I guess I'll forgive him, Jesus. I guess, you know, if I, if I have to. No, I guess so. Right? But what we have to do in these relationships is give away what Jesus has given us, the way Jesus gave it to us. Freely you have received, freely give. That's what he says. Right? Fourth, last. Fourth and last, right? Maybe. Fourth and last. What's the one on the screen? Throw it up there. Follow-up and accountability. This is supposed to be relational interaction. You've got to allow others the privilege of speaking into your life. You have to be honest enough with yourself to allow other people in. Not just your spouse, not just your kids. Other people who are following Jesus like you are. You've got to let them in so they can know where you are and what's going on with you. Some of you have uttered words like, I'll do whatever it takes to fix this. But I'm wondering if you're willing to do these things. You've got to today decide whether you're going to dive into God's Word. Some of you right now, that's going to be your first step. Like you, you, haven't, you haven't paid attention to the Bible, not since you were here last Sunday or the last time you were here. And statistics say, by Barner Research, the people who watch church trends and stuff like that, the average regular attender in the United States of America to church, the, the regular attenders, attend 1.9 times a month. That means you're not even here half the time. And if, if you're not paying attention to Scripture in between those times, well, how, how can you know what God's heart is for your family if you're not paying attention to what His, what his Word says, Right? So some of you today, the very first thing you have to do is commit to in this moment, I'll do whatever it takes, Jesus, to save my marriage. Stick your nose in the Bible and don't come up. I'll do whatever it takes. Okay. I've heard that numerous times. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. And they won't even pick up the Bible. Won't even ask God what he thinks about something. How can I grow? How can I be a better human being? How can I be a better follower of Christ? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better daughter of yours, God? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better mom? How can I be a better, just, just a, 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 a child to my parents? How can I be that? I never want the Bible to know what, what he's asking you for. Some of you need to be honest with yourself and with the people who are in close relationship with you. The, the, the lacking thing right now is your lack of honesty. 
They know you've screwed up. You know that you've screwed up. And you guys just keep walking over to saying, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that. And you know you've read the Bible and you're like, huh, today, some of you need to go home today and have a conversation like, dude, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's on me. I, 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 I see it. It's cool. I got to get this right. The next one, some of you are going to have that, that conversation and you're on the other end of it. You know what you get to do at that point? You've got to be committed to giving and receiving mercy and grace and forgiveness the way Jesus gave it to you. Not a little bit, not like, oh. And some of you keep trying to ditch accountability. You really don't want other husbands knowing what you're dealing with. You really don't want other wives knowing what's going on around your life. You really don't want other Christians inputting into your life. And you can't live life like that. You can't be a good follower of Christ by doing that. You need a small group environment. You need people radically and every day as much as possible engaged in your life for you to be everything God wants you to be. It's just the way it works. It's not good for man to be alone. Never has been, never will be. And that's marriage, but that's also community of faith. That, that, that it's not good for us to try and walk out life by ourselves, just showing up looking at the back of somebody else's head. You've got to have face-to-face interaction. You've got to have face-to-face encounters. You've got to have heart-to-heart engagement around what really matters. So I'm going to ask you, you're hitting one of those three or four points, right? Probably, maybe. I'm going to show a video up here. I'm going to ask our prayer people to kind of get in place. If you really mean whatever it takes, you know you, know you and Jesus are on the outs. Maybe some of you are here and you and Jesus just aren't straight. Get that right today. Before you worry about any other relationship, get your heart right with Jesus. The song's called Whatever It Takes. And it kind of portrays some imagery of a husband and wife who maybe aren't getting along very well. But not just about a husband and wife, it's about other relationships, other people. And so let's pray. And as soon as I say amen, you start the video. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.